0: Welcome to the Mind Your OT Business Podcast, where we empower and equip occupational therapy practitioners to be savvy and successful entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Laura Park-Figueroa. Ready to take action? Let's jump in. Everyone, welcome and happy new year. This is the first episode of 2020 of a whole new decade. It's very exciting. I'm so happy to have you all here and listening, and I hope your new year is off to a great start. Mine is because I got to interview the one, the only Melissa Lapointe for this episode. She probably needs no introduction. But in case you haven't met her online somewhere or seen her awesome work, she runs Melissa LaPointe Consulting. She is an online business expert, and her job is to help therapists take their work into the online space with confidence. And I will just dive right into this episode because you're going to hear all of the topics that we discussed right at the beginning of Melissa and I's conversation here. To start out, I want to read what Melissa wrote because every time I invite a podcast guest on the Mind Your OT Business podcast, I have a little question on the form that says, what would you like to talk about during our interview? Because I always want guests to feel like they have a say and can say what they're an expert in. And this was really interesting because Everything you wrote, Melissa, is like, it could be a whole episode in and of itself. So here's what Melissa wrote, and then I'm going to let her chat about all of these things. What do you want to talk about when you come on the podcast? And Melissa said, mindset, money stories, minimalism, personal growth, confidence, the art of selling, how therapy school sets us up to fail in business, fear of success, and my favorite, a brain-based approach to online learning. Melissa? Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Laura. I'm really excited to be here as well. We are going to try to cover all of these in the next 60 (laughs) to 90 minutes. (laughs) I'm so excited. This is going to be a fun conversation. I am caffeinated
1: and I am ready.
0: Good. Me too. Me too. I had my (laughs) coffee this morning. So before we dive into all of these exciting topics, I am so glad to have you here. You are such an expert in the field of online learning and many other things that you mentioned in that in that long list. But before we dive in, I want you to share with everyone how you started your current business and what it looks like today so they have a picture of who you are.
1: Sure. Um, so... I started my business in 2013 and at that point had seven years pediatric experience behind me and was venturing into the world of women's health. So in 2013, I started my business, but I was in denial that I was an entrepreneur. Like I actually use those words. No, I'm not in business, but I I do need a business license. But no, I'm not in business. Right. That was the uh, yes. We had a few wake up calls. Uh, so that was in two thousand and thirteen. I'm in a pretty small town, so fourteen thousand people. And when I started my business, it was a combination of pediatric services. Uh, so I was working in a number of private schools, and. I was integrating cash-based prenatal postnatal health services into my practice. So focusing on family wellness. So I had a mom and baby group. I was doing community workshops related to sleep. I was starting to do a little bit of sleep consulting and Really looking to also, teaching has always been a passion of mine. Mm -hmm. So professional development, workshops, whether it's community workshops, public speaking. In 2014, so at that point, my little guy was just about to turn three. And it's uh, so still very part-time. Primary caregiver, trying to to do it all, juggle all the balls. And in two thousand and fourteen, I had my first workshop. So two thousand and thirteen, I had my first retreat. Two thousand and fourteen, I had my first workshop where I had to travel, which for pre-max life wasn't a big deal. But juggling the retreat in two thousand and thirteen and the two-day full workshop plus travel in 2014 with a child, I realized, wow, things, you know, my idea of how I do things is going to have to change because this yeah. is, this is not working. Yeah. Um, it was exhausting. And so that's when I discovered the power of the online space. So in 2015 is when I created my first online course and I started doing more mentoring because, I was frustrated in many ways that I was in a rural community three and a half hours from an airport, but yet at the same time, I wanted to raise my family in a rural community. So you know, how could I bridge both those worlds? Uh, So 2015 is when I started doing a little bit more in the online space and continued to grow my brick and mortar practice. And if I'm being honest, was feeling a lot of resistance to my brick and mortar practice. was growing, you know, like referrals, generate like referrals. Mm -hmm. And I was working, just doing work that wasn't necessarily fulfilling. Um, But that's what, you know, the advice I was being given and well, if you want to make it work, this, you know, this is what you have to do. And the business mentor I was working with, the accountant I consulted with, and So I put my head down and said, okay, I'll do it. I'll grow my brick and mortar as a platform for my consulting and mentoring services. And 2017 was my big transition year. Uh, So that was when I recognized we're spread really thin and for us to make the next jump in revenue, we need to go all in on either online or brick and mortar, you know, and when I say online, my consulting, my coaching, my mentoring. Right. Uh, so I had consulted with a business advisor in June, 2017. And she said, well, you know, I can help you. She really wanted me to stick with the brick and mortar. And I was really digging my heels in. And she said, okay, well, what if I told you, I will work with you, but we only, you know, we, we can only choose one online or brick and mortar mm. and I'm advising you to go with brick and mortar. What would you say? And I said, I would say I need a new business advisor. Hmm. She's okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you have so to follow one, your
0: heart really. I mean, you know, your heart I, wouldn't be in it.
1: No. And I at that point had established enough connections and contacts in the online space that it was, um, it just felt so right. And, you know, I I was waking up with a bounce in my step. I loved what I was doing. I was so passionate to continue down that route. Uh, So that was in June. And then July 2017 is when the wildfires hit British Columbia. And that's when I was evacuated for two months. Gosh. Um, So yeah. And I know a lot of people listening to this, you know, as we're seeing what's happening in Australia and my heart goes out Um, And as an entrepreneur, you know, that was, that was two months of a lot of my revenue still had the expenses. I still had the overhead, um, but I was not anywhere close to my office. I happened to have my microphone and my laptop. So that was the summer that I decided to launch a membership community because what else do you do when you're evacuated?
0: Right, right. Um,
1: So that began my transition. And then when I came back in September, I had to make a really, you know, it was, it was time. I, am I going all in or not? So I connected with another OT entrepreneur that was interested in incorporating pediatrics into their business. Uh, They were quite a larger scale business. And I said, hey, I have, you know, it really mattered. I didn't want to just leave my kids and my families and my my clients hanging. So it was my transition year. I started mentoring a therapist for their company to take over my pediatric caseload. Um, I sold off my equipment, my assessment tools. This is part of my plan. And then we had our perfect storm. So my son was having a lot of health issues. That was the year he was diagnosed with a brain tumor and we were medevaced. So we had surgery, we had his recovery, his rehab. Yeah. Uh, And again, I could work from the, you know, I was working from the lobby of the hospital I right. was working, and it was my outlet. You know, it really was from a stress management standpoint. That was where I felt like I did still have some semblance of control in my life. Yeah. Um, so for me to have that, I was actually very thankful, very appreciative. Yeah. I had yeah. something to focus on Um. to, you know, it sounds crazy in a workaholic way, but that was a form of self-care for me. Was,
0: yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. I believe it yeah
1: so that was so 2018 again was a was a big transition year as i was wrapping things up with this contract with with letting go of my strong beginnings brick and mortar practice and the the mindset work that came with that you know so often questioning is, does this make me a failure? Does this mean, mm-hmm. you know, like there were a lot of questions coming up as I was trying to practice with integrity and, and let go of a big piece of me, you know, that was something right. I had really worked on for a long time to build up. Uh, so fast forward to today, you know, I did successfully let that go. And now I've been 18 months, I'm hesitant to say working from home, because in all honesty, I don't have a lot of stuff, meaning, um, like I work from my laptop. So whether it's on the East coast, when I am spending my month there in the summer with my family, um, or whether, you know, it doesn't matter where I am. I have reduced the stuff in my life to the point now where I'm location independent. Um, so I have a fairly simple setup. Um, I have a small team, which means I do need to carve out time for leadership, for management, for accountability, Mm -hmm. for the CEO piece. So that's been a big shift. Um, And, you know, primarily working with occupational therapists. I say primarily. I did have a couple of other... No, at this point, I only have OTs actually on my caseload. Uh, So my time is spent coaching and consulting. I do a little Mm -hmm. bit of mentoring, but primarily coaching and content creation for the OTs in my community is where... The bulk of my time is now is now spent um, and learning to say no to all the shiny objects and all the projects that I want to do, but I right. haven't had to clone myself. Uh, so 2020 for me is a lot of letting go and simplifying so that mm. I can do more with less.
0: Yeah, I always say that about entrepreneurship. It feels so the shiny object syndrome. It feels so exciting in some way to have that because I feel like a lot of people mid career kind of burnout and with entrepreneurship it's interesting and you've just told a really great story about how you can shift and change as your life changes and it it seems kind of limitless what we can actually do as entrepreneurs when we see a need and and we can move to meet that need and change Ooh. our own jobs you know it's just yeah. it's just a cool thing about entrepreneurship that i really like that a lot of people bring up but that your story is particularly great for it. Um, I have some questions that came up while you were telling your story. So did you have employees in your brick and mortar practice or what, were you a solopreneur at that time?
1: (laughs) I was a person with control issues. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I had an executive assistant, and she helped. She was not an employee, so she was a contractor. Yeah. And she helped with billing, with admin tasks. I call her my work wife. She just did a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, She stayed with me, so she was with my brick and mortar, and she's actually transitioned to our director of customer support. And we're now training her to actually be director of operations. Okay. Um, she's still a contractor. I've had that discussion with her around do you want to be an employee this year? Um, and she really enjoys the flexibility of, of being yeah. a contractor. And okay. Um, and then I had another OT doing some contract work for me. So she was a contractor and then I had a behavioral interventionist. So in British Columbia with our autism funding, mm-hmm. um, I had a number of clients with autism and I had a behavioral interventionist. She was also doing Oh, essentially, you know, she had her early childhood education, some additional training, and she was yep. providing extra support with our families. Uh, so that's what I had with my brick and mortar, but I never had employees.
0: Yeah. They, so they were all independent contractors. Yes. Yeah. And then now you said you have a small team. So your um, admin business manager, who's training to be director of operations, she's still with you. Yes. and and who else is on your team now?
1: Um, So we have a small team of virtual assistants that use some of the tech. Um, I'm just starting to interview a graphic designer. Um, That's another one I have a really hard time letting go of, and I currently do it all myself. but it's not conducive to stepping into the CEO role to be right hours on Canva every week.
0: I'm the same. I love Canva, but I'm like, this is not a good use of my time. Someone, I should pay someone else to do this. But I love it.
1: I know. I know. It's so hard. Um, so we have a small team of virtual assistants, and then I have um, another virtual assistant who is helping in terms of scheduling Um, so we have so many calls happening now so many meetings Mm -hmm. really having someone who's sold for you know soul like this is her responsibility essentially is managing the schedule and Mm -hmm. making sure call reminders are being sent out and the links and all of that stuff the replays you know it's built up now we have so much content coming out that that has turned into a position in and of itself Um, again contract you know part-time and then looking at social media so yeah support for social media uh, that we're currently integrating into um, when I talk about 2020 and, and the CEO piece so right now what we have front and center is our onboarding process so we're working on our team onboarding process and then our two people who are going to be helping with Instagram and our Facebook groups are going to be going through the onboarding process and then they're going to be helping us Okay. Yeah. So, just trying to get my my ducks in a row.
0: Yeah. So, when you say onboarding, you're talking about having. This is something I think that is really important for all business owners is to have a process that people go through. I found myself wanting to say process because I've been talking to you long enough. Like, I love your accent, and I keep wanting to imitate it. <laughs> a process that that people go through because you sound so good. I have a horrible midwestern accent, and I just anyway um but it's really important to have a systematic process or process that people go through yes. to to make sure that you've covered everything that needs to be covered with with someone who's coming into your business so that you know that you're all kind of on the same page and that everything um has been done to prepare them for the job that they are going to do right yes. so how do you manage that process do you have it in project management app or do you have someone who's kind of managing everyone who's going through the process? Is that what you just said? You have someone doing that?
1: So how we are setting it up. So we are using Kajabi as our platform and Mm -hmm. we have a product, a hidden product in Kajabi that's called team MLP onboarding. And the intention is to, for them to go through so within the first 2 weeks they have to go through all of the the modules and Oh cool. Have, okay. Um, oh gosh, what do we have on there? We have our core values, we have our clients, really important that they understand who our cl- not their names, but you know, give right, right. an idea of who we're
0: serving. The avatar, yes.
1: <laughs> our programs and our services, we have our org char- our organizational chart organizational charts so that they know yep. how things are flowing um, we have, we're putting an interview with me. So we have s- someone who's going to be interviewing me for anyone new coming on. So they have a little bit more of an idea of how I roll, um, our communication guidelines. So what we prefer to use and how, um, we, yeah, all that's good. Both have, um, what's the other piece that's in there? Oh, invoicing. So, you know, yeah. here's, how. Uh, so we have that piece in there. Um, and essentially within the first two weeks, you know, there are a number of tasks and they need to go through and and consume this information. And then we have a 30 day, a 60 day and a 90 day checkpoint. So any new hires, it's a, it's a 90 day trial period, essentially. Yeah. We go through on the 30 days and it's, I'm not sure if you're familiar with traction, but we have integrated the scorecard and the accountability chart.
0: I've heard of traction. traction. That's a book, right? Yeah. Okay, I'll put it in the show notes for people. I have heard of Traction, but I have not read it. So I will add it to my 2020 business books uh-huh. to read list. I it's love reading. I
1: love reading this book. In our, so I recently just ordered my second copy for my director of operations um, so that she has her own copy because we do reference it quite a bit. Uh, yeah, so that's how we have our our onboarding. That's how we're we're building it out so that it is because I was do, I was holding and going through, yeah. you know, we only have so many hours in the day and that's such a finite resource. And how can we, I was hesitant to bring on more contractors because of the, how much of an investment of my time and energy went into the hiring process yes. and onboarding. Whereas now Raylene, my assistant, she is now in charge of the hiring process. I don't even see people until it's the final two. Um, She posts the job description. She screens. She's been with me long enough that she knows me really well. um, Right. And you know, we make the final hire. Then they go through the onboarding process. And it's not a lot of my time because I was hesitant to bring people on, which we were then bottlenecking. Yeah. Um, So because
0: everything was backing up at you, or maybe even at Raylene too, if too many, you know, too many things for her to do. Yeah. It's yeah, that's good to get systems in place to then free up your time. Um, and, and if I'm hearing, because I feel the same about, we call her, our business manager at Outdoor Kids OT. And she's, she's, we're having a call this week to talk about her taking on some more responsibilities with some of the Mind Your OT business stuff. And her name's Nicole. She's fabulous. And I feel so thankful for her, kind of the same admiration and gratitude that I hear in your voice about Raylene, just like, I fully a hundred percent trust her, and I would say for anyone running a business, having your your first hire be someone who's going to help take some of that administrative load and who's really organized and who is fun to work with, that you enjoy working with, that you are able to communicate well, that you get along well to work with together, I think that's it's such a a help in a busy business owner's life to have that person. Yeah. So we're thankful for you, Raylene and Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So those are my little extra questions. Cause I wanted to kind of get a picture of your team right now, mm-hmm. but let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, because I think it's interesting to me how you set up the onboarding as kind of an online course, essentially, for the people who are coming into your business, right? So it kind of flows into the question I wanted to ask about, when you say you wanted to talk about a brain-based approach to online learning, I want to make sure we cover that because you said it's your favorite topic. So we're going to hit it right off the top here. Um, What does that look like? What do you mean when you say that? And and how can people kind of design online courses to have a brain-based approach to online learning?
1: Well, and this is something that, I mean, we could have a whole episode of things right. that OTs are good at that they don't give themselves credit for. Oh,
0: you're preaching my language, girl. My goodness.
1: (laughs) And if I were to talk to you about running a face-to-face workshop and, you know, you have a sensory background, what would be important for, in terms of skill retention, in terms of motivation, in terms of learning styles, I guarantee you would not just be sitting there talking. You would make it interactive. You would have movement incorporated. You know this stuff. And it's no different in the online space. If anything, you need to be even more aware of it because- Studies show we now have the attention span less than a goldfish. Yes, <laughs> and the reality is, when you look at, you know, we we are seeing a boom in the e-learning industry. But when you look at stats for completion rates, it's like ninety-five percent of online courses don't get completed. So right. we put our heart and soul into this content, and then it doesn't. People don't go through it. Um, so when I talk about a brain-based approach to learning, it's really don't make it about you make it about them and you need to be aware of the different learning styles so you know looking at verbal lecture instruction so some people prefer to discuss they enjoy dialogue they really, they're oral learners mm-hmm. and they really want to talk things through some people learn through doing through learning they're kinesthetic learners we have our visual learners who really like graphs pictures mm-hmm. lists demonstrations and then we have people who like to learn from taking notes or reading so you when you're designing your online course what i when i'm working with therapists around this it's taking a step back and creating your outline and when you create the outline and i i mean this is a very hands-on process where we have sticky notes and we have recipe cards yeah create your outline and i use the word modules think of it as chapters in a book whatever word you want okay so i'm going to have six modules in my course well each of those modules then get broken up into lessons And that's when you want to be cognizant of the fact that there are different learners out there and can your lessons incorporate different variations of that material in small, bite-sized chunks. That's great. You know, it has to be small, bite-sized chunks. So really looking at, okay, um, can I highlight, because we have people who are asking, well, why is this important? Okay, can I share personal or relevant stories? Can I share case studies? Um, we have people are asking like the what, what are we doing? What do I need to know? What are the facts? What are the figures? Okay, so can you start off with the overall goals for that module or for that lesson? Give them a snapshot. You know, it's yeah. like the puzzle box, looking at the cover. Some people really need to see how things fit in. And it's not a lot of work to create that short outline. It's literally one right. slide on your PowerPoint. Um, you can share steps of your process, sharing frameworks, sharing diagrams. Um, charts, visual metaphors. These are all pieces of the puzzle. And I'm not saying yeah. you have to include each and every one, but making sure there's variety. Um, we have how it works. So breaking down the details. Some people really benefit from exercises and worksheets. Mm-hmm. Um, some people learn best when they ask questions. So getting clear on how much access they have to you. Do you have a Q&A session included? Um, or is it all automated? And there's different ways that we can structure our content um, in, again, acknowledging there are different learning styles. And, you know, that has to be part of it. And, again, keep it. My first online course, um, it's embarrassing now because... Like I had some two hour PowerPoint presentations and now that I like have been, I just didn't know, you know, you you don't know what you don't know. And I, my first online course, I was creating it based on how I would facilitate an in-person workshop Yeah, because I didn't know any different. Right. Um, you know, 2015 Melissa versus 2020 Melissa is very different. um, Right.
0: But you went for it. This is the thing. Like I went for it. It's just, I feel like you never would be where you are now if you hadn't made that maybe quote unquote mistake, because clearly people learned from what you had to share. You sold the course, you know? So I just think it's, it's, it's cool to see your process of growth as an online business owner, yeah. um, but I just want to celebrate that you went for it in 2015, which five years ago, when very few people were really getting into the online space and doing courses. Now courses are huge, but five years ago, things have really changed. You know, so
1: very sleep deprived. I wasn't this <laughs> making the best decisions, to be honest, Laura. <laughs> right. You
0: were maybe workaholicking a bit, but okay.
1: <laughs> well, and 2015, um, like it was a rough year. It was a rough year. Yeah, wasn't sleeping very well. Um, my husband was on swing shift. That was the year. Um, I anyhow, we just had so much going on, right? And that was my outlet was creating this online course. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, making mistakes. It's the yeah. name of the game. you ha- yeah. you, have to, you have to make mistakes. Um, or you're not going to learn. If you wait until things are perfect, you are not in the right industry if you're working in the online space.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, It's kind of the reality. It's my favorite thing. That growth mindset stuff is just better done than perfect. Get it out there and
1: keep moving
0: forward. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I love that. I love I feel like you gave people a lot of really good, like practical things to think about when you're creating online course content to, to not just have it be you talking and then maybe a homework assignment, but to really build in some, some different exercises that hit all the different learning styles. That's great.
1: And keep it simple. Um, Yeah, more, more content does not equate more value. More time doesn't, you know, if I can get you to the same end point with two hours of content versus 10 hours, do not assume that 10 hours means your course is worth more. It doesn't work that way. Right. So that's the other piece. You know, don't think you're layering in more value by layering in more content. People are busy. They don't need, we're in an era of content overwhelm.
0: Oh, it's so overwhelming. I think, I think that's something, too, that can paralyze people is, is seeing how much is out there and feeling like, well, why would little old me, I don't really have anything to say. You know, you, we just get, especially OTs, we have an inferiority complex. And I think, you know, what's sad, too, is I, lit- I just posted on Instagram. I read an article from 1987 that was saying the exact same thing we're talking about right here. Like OTs needing to own that we have something of value to offer the community, society, the healthcare industry, like, and they were saying the same thing. So I, it's kind of sad that 30 years ago (laughs) we were saying this, we're still saying it, but we really need to be able to own that, um, that expertise that we have. So anyway, I'm getting off topic. I'm getting off topic.
1: (laughs) You are, but you're not. This might be a nice segue. No, it's your it's your interview. I don't. But this might be a nice segue to talk about OT. You know what we learn in therapy school.
0: Yes, and mindset. I was just thinking. It was all planned that I went on that tangent <laughs> about the 1987 article. Oh, um, so I am really dying to know. How, I I think I resonate and might know a little because I probably think some of the same things. But I want to hear you talk about why do you think that that therapy school sets us up to fail as business owners.
1: Yeah, this is a this can be a triggering conversation for some people.
0: Um, That's okay. Makes, Controversy is good on a podcast; it makes people yeah, listen.
1: And and I'm I'm okay with that. Um, so I actually have a free video series that I'm working on with this with this exact content. So if we think of our mindset, you know, our mindset, according to Wikipedia, it's an established set of attitudes held by someone. Um, if you look at or another definition online, it's a person's way of thinking and their opinions. So we need to acknowledge that a lot of what we learn in OT school is in part, you know, this is the lens that we're now looking through the world. And Mm -hmm. similar to, we could go back to our childhood. If we're not willing to acknowledge that our thoughts, our beliefs, our values, you know, so much of that foundation was from our childhood. And if we're not willing to look back at that, it's really hard to then move forward. It's really hard to then grow and evolve. And if you look at some of the things that were ingrained into us in OT school, um, oh my gosh, we could do a whole podcast episode just on this, but one would be asking for permission. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. You know, what does it mean? Like in order for us to feel successful, generally it was, we were getting a good grade good feedback. Um, you know, can I do this project? Can I do this research paper? And, and I'm not saying it doesn't have, it's not that that wasn't what was needed, that structure that that's, but in the reality of business, it's not always helpful to be seeking permission. And I have a lot of therapists who are seeking permission to do things differently. Mm -hmm. Um, we also have our relationship with money for many of us you know our um like really getting thrown into student loan debt so yeah you know if you're not willing to take to to you know peel back a layer and really look at your money story but for a lot of us um relationship with money or a relationship with debt the emotions that got tied into that um our belief system around profit and getting paid that's yep. a huge one if you go back to ot school and the conversations that were had around that um the belief that it's it's bad to self promote or you should be promoting the ot profession as a whole so that that idea of a white coat you know yeah make sure you don't stand out. Testimonials are bad and too much promotion is bad. And I'm not saying those were the exact words, but that's certainly what was implied. Um, So now you get into the real world of business where you have to market and stand out as an individual. And yes, there are a lot of
0: things that come up with that. (laughs) Right. And you have to charge something for what you're offering, right? That's a business. I, I say this a lot. If you don't, if your business isn't profitable then it's a hobby or it's philanthropy. It's not a business. It's and
1: even not a profit. Like even nonprofits right. need to bring in money.
0: Yes, people that work at nonprofits are paid. They they are paid a salary. Some of them are paid very large salaries. Some are not, but it's yeah, yeah it's so important to have that understanding that it's not a bad thing to make money. <laughs> it's not. No. No. So really
1: looking at, you know, again, exploring your relationship with money, exploring your relationship with time, the idea, you know, what is success and risk versus security? You know, Mm -hmm. that's something we could talk about. Um, But that hourly rate, oh gosh, that really gets a lot of entrepreneurs. Our tendency is to go to that hourly rate. And the reality in business is it's really challenging to to package everything into time. And then yeah. we end up in this slippery slope of well, hourly rate and I need to work harder. And if I want to make more money, then I need to work longer. And that's yeah. that's BS. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way. But if you can't take a step back and acknowledge that your thoughts, your beliefs, you know, it's it's working harder and money doesn't grow on trees and you need to hustle and no, you do not. Um, but again, if we are constantly looking at, well, you know, my time is worth this much per hour, it's, it's a different way of, of thinking. Now, again, I know that there's a practical time and place for having an hourly rate. I understand, right. but we still have to take a step back and, and look at what makes us tick. Look at that cause effect, what we, what we apply meaning to. That's not always truth. Right. And really leaning into, you know, is this true? Is this true for everyone? And the, the big question I like to ask a lot of my coaching clients what is it costing you to hold on to this belief? Yeah. What is it stopping you,
0: you know, and then they start to- million dollar question. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that unpacks a lot. Yeah. And, you know,
1: so I think there's just things that we need to learn to let go of um, as entrepreneurs in terms of what we were learning in in therapy school.
0: Yeah, that is such rich um, mindset stuff for people to think through and really kind of let that sink in and mull on it. And that's why I love podcasting too, because as people are going about their daily lives, they can kind of be listening. And then you you can get that content while you're on the go but then it kind of percolates up in your mind at other times of day while you're working and things like that and i think that um those concepts you just shared about mindset are really um really critical i think we we don't we're not trained to be business owners in ot school no you know it's just there's there's almost no content there's very little content on entrepreneurship in most programs even though i will say ACOTE, at least in America here, does have some standards related to business and entrepreneurship and management, so I appreciate that, but I think most schools kind of touch on it and don't really offer the kind of robust education and mindset kind of stuff you were just talking about that's really so critical if you're going to be a therapist running any kind of business, not even just a practice, but a but any kind of business.
1: Yeah. Well, and there's also like if we look into doing being becoming this is doing being becoming belonging mm-hmm. and you know much respect to anne wilcock and and i have in the last 2 years really been leaning into being doing becoming and really putting the be first who do i need to be hmm. and how can i embrace that now and really looking at you know cuz i can do put my head down and work hard right it's not you know if i'm still doing things the way, you know, to solve a problem or to do things differently. Sometimes we do need to reinvent ourselves. And if I want my business to go in a certain direction, really visualizing what is the CEO in three years time of that business? You know, how are they acting? How are they um, showing up as a leader? How are they showing up for their clients? Uh, what are the finances? You know, what is their relationship with their P&L reports? Yeah. And, okay. I need to be that way now. I can't right. wait until I hit a certain level of success. It's okay. How can I embrace the those traits and and show up in my life right now? Yeah, uh, so, you know, Raylene and I have been having a lot of those conversations in terms of what some tasks have. You know, tasks that have fallen on my plate. And I said, would a CEO of a seven hundred thousand dollar business be doing these tasks? Right. And really recognizing we need to protect my time, we need to do a better job of protecting my energy and recognizing that I have some tasks that I could outsource for $5 an hour to the Philippines if I really wanted to. And what, you know, what would a CEO do? Um, and how can I act that way now? So it's something I've been spending a lot of time on is my, my inner game and, and how I'm showing
0: up. Right, because you need that space to be able to do that inner work. If you're, if you're just putting out fires all the time as an entrepreneur and you're not taking time, for me, it's like taking a hike. I get my best ideas, like my most creative ideas or my most inspiring ideas or clarity on a problem that I'm trying to solve in the business when I'm out on a hike yeah and and I think if you don't have the time or space to go on the hike or to sit and do the mental work or to go swimming or to exercise or to meditate or whatever you do that that kind of refills your cup and lets you do that inner work on yourself, you just don't have the time as an entrepreneur to you're if you're putting out fires all the time, so that protecting your time is a really important concept, I think, especially as um a business grows if you want to grow a business, it's really important to keep kind of Stepping into that role, you know, you have you have done a lot of work on mindset, and I know that you've had business significant business coaching, and I want you to talk a little bit about. Um, I have found in my experience that a lot of times OTs are are hesitant to get business coaching. It's like it's like we we don't value ourselves our, our profession enough, so we don't value ourselves as business owners to invest in ourselves. So. I want you to share as much as you're willing to share about your experience with business coaching and what it offered you. And if you're, if you're game, even a general ballpark number of financially, what have you invested in yourself as a business owner? Uh, I don't think I've been in denial of that number, Um, (laughs) but look where you are. I mean, that's what I mean. (laughs) It's like return on investment is, is good when you actually invest in yourself.
1: So first thing, first thing I want to address, are therapists hesitant to invest in business coaching? Yes. Are entrepreneurs hesitant to invest in business coaching? Not so much. There is not one, like I'm in a lot of groups for entrepreneurs and my coaches, my coaches who are running multiple seven figure businesses have coaches. That's just the reality of it. How am I supposed to know how to grow? Like I've never done this before. Um, and sure, I can try and figure it out, and it's gonna take me a bloody long time to do so right. and probably hit burn it. And why would I? Like, why would I not want someone to guide me through this? Um, so I think are therapists hesitant to invest in business coaching? Yes, in part because they're still looking at themselves as therapists. And the reality Absolutely. of growing a business is that therapy is only one small piece of what you're now doing you have to hang up that therapy hat. Sometimes you have to not just be in your business or you're going to be chasing your tail everywhere. You have to carve out time to work on your business to, you know, looking at operations, sales and marketing, looking at finance administration. And if you don't have someone in those roles, if you don't have a director of sales and marketing, guess what? You're it. And you that's can, you and you can acknowledge that or not and if you're not acknowledging it I'm going to guess cash flow is a problem because there is no business out there that is successful if they are not working on sales and marketing right and so you can have your head in the sand and say well no I like I did when I first started my business that I told everyone no I'm not really in business I, I did need a business license but I'm following my passion <laughs> right Head in the sand. I
0: just love what I do so much. Oh yeah,
1: I love it so. Oh gosh, Melissa, (laughs) to just show grace and compassion to Melissa, 2013, that was sleep deprived. Um, So I first invested in my first business coaching program was in 2013. It was August 2013. Um, I hadn't been in business very long, and it was the scariest thing I had ever done. And I think Mm. some people think, oh. I need a business coach because, you know, it, it means I'm accepting that I, you know, this whole perfectionism, doing things well, which we could have also added into OT school and and mindset. Yep. Um, but this idea of, oh, I need to ask for help because I'm not doing things well. No, that's not why we get a business coach. I mean, that's that's part of it. It can certainly help. Sure. But Don't think of yourself as a screw up that, that needs business coaching. Uh, so exactly. I, yeah. Yeah. My first, um, it was a seven month program. It was $125 per month. I was, I don't, I won't swear on this, but I was like freaking out. (laughs) 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 Uh, I have a potty mouth, Laura, but I'll I'll keep it clean for the podcast. Um, so I was a bit like, blah, no idea. And signed up for this business coaching program. Um, The business coach that I was working with at the time is trained in multiple brain integration theory or MBIT. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you've ever heard of that. Um, So at that time, I was so passionate about what it was that I wanted to do and about my vision that I was not making logical or objective decisions. Mm -hmm. And I was, my boundaries were really skewed. I was giving so much away. And felt like it was, you know, oh, this isn't, was really struggling. Um, so with multiple brain integration theory, cause I'm, I'm a big neuro brain geek and she helped me to understand, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing, but how we can move forward in a way where it's in alignment with the the brain in our head, the brain mm. in our heart and the brain in our gut. And that our intuition can be a powerful thing, but that we need the tools and the framework to to help create a scaffolding of sorts so that when because when we are really you know and that's the in part how i'm coaching a lot of therapists now i can be like the the voice of reason and when we're Mm -hmm. in the thick of it we often need someone to have that thirty thousand foot view of what's going on to absolutely pull, pull us out and say okay let's think about this. So that was a big role that she played. Um, In all honesty, it really helped as well with my mental stability at the time. Um, Mm. So I hadn't slept for more than three hours over almost two years. Um, My son was waking up consistently. Wow! And so that was taking its toll. Um, Really struggling with my marriage at the time, was really struggling with um, there were there were a number of things. I was, yeah. a, I was a hot mess. And I found that the business coaching, it was helping to anchor me. It was helping to, mm. you know, looking at project management, looking at, again, just really helping me to integrate my left and my right brain in terms of how I was approaching my right. business. and you know, I had, I I was actually looking back the other day on my binder from that first business program Mm. and all the projects that I was trying to take on because I didn't know. I just, I just didn't know any better. Uh, so that was a seven month program. And then I took a break from that and I, I was thinking the other day, which business coaches have I worked with? So I haven't been working continually with someone, um, I've signed up for different programs that have included business coaching not always one-on-one often in a group format. Okay. Um, I've gotten pretty good at putting myself out there so there've been people offering hey I'll do a free you know first person to comment I'll do a free Bonus call with you, um, or in one community that I was with, he was willing to do a one-on-one call with me, but it was recorded and broadcasted to seven hundred people. That was right. provoking. provoking. Um, <laughs> not so much now. Like now, it's right? Like, eh, whatever, you know. I've I've shown it all. I don't care. But at the right. time, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have a panic. Yeah, seven hundred <laughs> people. Yeah. <laughs> you no, know, in my head. In my head. Um, So when I was in, it was August, 2017 that I signed up for Jill and Josh Stanton's membership community. Um, at the time it was screw the nine to five, but that's still their brand, but they no longer have their membership. What's it
0: called? Uh, screw the nine to five. Screw the nine to five. Okay. I think I've seen them online. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: they don't, they no longer offer programs. Um, but I was in their community for 14 months and then I, that was my first live event. Uh, so I did some coaching with Josh Stanton, which is really helpful. Um, then I worked with a business advisor. So she doesn't call herself a consultant. She calls her, excuse me, a coach. She calls herself an advisor. And mm-hmm. I worked with her from, she was the one who I started working with when I was switching from online to, to, or okay. me, from brick and mortar to online. That was really helpful. Um, I really conflict resolution. So I had some contracts with some clients that were, it was very toxic. Um, mm-hmm don't chase the money. People do not chase the money. Um, money is not a bad thing, but I may have said yes to some things because of money and it bit me in the butt afterwards Mm. because it was emotionally exhausting, but another story for another day. Um, but she really helped me to navigate again. We really worked on strategic planning on leadership development. Uh, she was very left brain focused, but Mm. at that point with all the things going on with my son, with all the same, um, my husband's workplace had burnt down two weeks before my son's emergency <laughs> oh my surgery. My gosh! So he was laid off that year and became the full-time stay-at-home dad, which was a huge transition for us.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so she, you know, I continued working with her for most of 2018, and it really helped. Again, when I talk about my mental stability, um, it just helped me to not get up in my head and, and overthink and, you know, to have a sounding board, to have someone provide that guidance, uh, made the world of difference. It really made the world of difference. Um, and they see a part of you that you don't always see, you know, I'm my own harshest critic and, um, a business coach, a business advisor, a business consultant, whatever, whatever language you want to use. Um, they really see a part of you that often you can't see for yourself and you know how they can shine a light on that. And I make it, it makes the world of difference. Um, so then I signed up for a program, uh, James Wedmore's business by design program in October, 2018. Um, and that's when I really took it to the next level in terms of focusing on my inner game and making that the priority of my business, hmm. You know, really building my business from the inside out, living my life from the inside out, and really letting that take the lead. Uh, so I was in his program until October of this year when I was in California. And that's when I signed up for his coaching program. Uh, so it's a 12-month coaching program. I am getting my butt kicked. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it is something else. Um, yeah, to say I've leveled up in a different way, you know, it's it's really highlighting all the things that I don't know and the different thoughts and beliefs um, that I thought I had addressed that sneak up on you and that subconscious yep. way you operate. Um, yeah, so that's been my uh, my latest investment. Uh, how much have I spent? Mm, significantly more than my OT degree. I can tell you that.
0: Yeah, well, that's kind of a good thing. I think it's showing in the success of your business too. Like, if if we if we expect that we're going to be great OTs just from going to OT school, no. Like, we all go to continuing ed. We all build our skills after OT school, and it's the same even more so with entrepreneurship. It's almost like we need the OT degree plus the continuing ed and coaching and support.
1: Well, we do yeah. though. I mean, the sales and marketing piece is 90% of the game. You know, raise yeah. hands. who here has taken a sales and marketing course in OT school? And if you did, it was probably incorrect, to be honest.
0: Right. Um, <laughs> or, well, I mean, honestly, if you went to school, this is, this is what else, like if you went to school many years ago, even if you did have a course on business ownership, it's, the game has changed with the there, online there, world being a whole a new
1: million ways to run a business, and if you have a certain blueprint for how it should play out, um, not necessarily you know and, yeah. and really and I think giving ourselves permission to build the business that we want that fills you know that that where we feel like this is you know for me my my business through all the the chaos in my life. My business has become such a, like, I don't want to call in sick around my business. Right. Um, you know, for me, it's turned into, like, it's, it's a passion project. It lights me up. And I think that's what a business should be. When I look at my overall health and well-being, my, my business plays such a pivotal role in that. Whereas 2015, definitely I was more at risk for burnout. I was, you know, exhausted. I was working way too many hours. Right. 2017, 2018, it was a lot of the same, but I think it was more as a coping strategy with stress. So that was my go-to was I'll I'll work, Um, but really trying to pull back and and do more
0: with less hours. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. And good learning. Yes. (laughs) Um, I want you to talk a little bit about, um, and this is, I don't have a good segue for this, but maybe mindset ties in some to selling our services. So what do you what do you have to share with listeners about selling? I think that's something that our mindset as OT's is always like you kind of mentioned it you can't promote you shouldn't you know selling be confident is- and you shouldn't
1: how, sell. How many therapists I've heard say selling is icky. Selling My, is icky, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's going to be, it's going to feel icky if you don't address your, you know. Internal <laughs> belief internal systems. 100%. Um, so first of all, if you're in business, you have to sell. So there's no getting around it. So you can either lean in and be uncomfortable and learn some skills, uh, or you can put your head in the sand and chances are you're going to be one of the eight out of 10 businesses that don't make it past 18 months. Like if yeah. we're just saying it how it is. Yeah. Uh, if you are not selling and marketing, then your business is not going to succeed. That is the reality. Right. So, okay. If you're still with me and you're like, yes, Melissa, I'll <laughs> in. I'm going to commit to this. Can you think of a time where you have bought something, where the transaction was transformational, where you did not feel icky, where you felt rewarded, where you were excited, where mm-hmm. you were ecstatic? I'm sure all of us have something in our lives, I hope. Where we can, you know, again, pushing back on that selling is icky. It's like, can you find just one time in your life where you were part of the selling process and it didn't feel icky? Okay. Right. You know, can we now take that and build on it? But things that you need to, to look at, um, you know, do you project your money story onto others? That's a big one. So mm-hmm. if you're not willing to look at your money story, you know, oh, is so much money. I cannot ask for $500. Well, there may be someone out there that doesn't think it's a lot of money or that doesn't miss a beat in terms of investing in that. Um, So, that's an example of projecting your money stuff onto someone else. Uh, Do you love your offer? Yeah. It's a lot easier for me. Like, I have, when I get on sales calls or clarity calls and I'm talking about some of my programs, I am so excited to share because this is a gift. I love my offer and I have no problem telling you about it because it lights me up. And if it's not the right fit for you right now, that's okay. Right. You know, that's not a reflection of me. I love my offer. So looking at what it is you're selling, do you feel good about it? Do you feel bad about charging? So many times we were like, oh, coming back to OT school. Oh, I shouldn't make a profit on this or, oh, I shouldn't be charging for this. Okay. It's pretty hard to sell if you're feeling guilty, first of all. Yeah. You know, so these are some things that you you need to work on and looking at the transaction as the transformation um, and understanding that anyone listening to this podcast, if I went into your computer right now, how many free eBooks would I find that you have not used? <laughs> right. How many free resources, how many free courses have you signed up for that you haven't used? Because it's free. So you're not putting value on it. Yeah. If you're offering things for free, People aren't valuing that. If they don't have skin in the game, they're not showing up. So you are doing a disservice to people by giving things away, not only a disservice to your business. Right. So, you know, really working around um, around that and and understanding that there's a cycle. Psych- like we try to logically reason buying. Buying is a psychological phenomenon. There are so many emotional layers. Mm-hmm. It is very illogical. So don't try to, well... I should charge this much because how much time it took, you know, we come back to time. Yeah. It took three hours and my hourly rate is 150 per hour. So I'm going to charge that, but 450 sounds too much. Oh my gosh. So maybe I'll do 350 and then I'll resent it because I can't pay my bills. Yeah. So, you know, you're not doing anyone any favors if you can't sustain the level of service because you're not charging enough. So undercharging across the board, I think is an issue. Um, But really looking at, are you spending time with your money? Like on Mm -hmm. a regular basis, and like if I'm giving you a gift, and you take that gift and squish it up in a little ball and throw it in the corner to gather dust balls until you absolutely need it and you're desperate, how does that make me feel? Like if you look at the energy tied up and it's the same thing, mm-hmm. like if I'm going to give you $300 and you feel bad, you feel guilty. So you put it into your account right away. You turn a blind eye. You don't want to address it until you have an outstanding bill that you have to pay. That's not a good energy flow to bring into your money situation mm. and really honoring um, the impact you can have by generating more revenue—you can yeah. impact more me- people if you have a higher income. You don't have to feel bad about it. Um, right. There's so many great things that we can do if we have a healthy cash flow. So I think you know it's selling, but also there's the promotion, there's marketing. But it, our relationship with money, our money stories as health professionals—so many of us came into this because we truly had the desire to help. We didn't. Yeah. Have- yeah. But the reality is you can help more people if your business is healthy. And that means yes. charging and spending time with your money and acknowledging the power you've given to money. Well, money will give me more freedom. Money will give me more independence. Money will give me more flexibility. No, that's good. Yeah. You're attributing that to money. But I know people who have freedom who don't have a lot of money. Right. I know people who have power who you know, who have a strong voice, who don't necessarily have a lot of money. This is all part of what we need to explore and, and recognize in our relationship with money. It's complicated. It's so complicated and fascinating.
0: It is. It really is because you. I think you don't really realize how much your inner world affects your life as an entrepreneur. Yeah, That's kind of been the topic of this podcast, actually. Almost everything we've talked about has been about the inner work you need to do as an entrepreneur to be, to run a successful business, you know?
1: And I think that's like, that's my theme for 2020 is really carving out time to work on my business, Hmm. carving out time for planning. We just wrapped up, we had, Um, a two day staycation where Raylene joined me at a hotel five minutes away. My, my son was so confused. You're going to a hotel (laughs) down the road. Right. Um, So that was our Christmas bonus, but that's where we, because we both work from home and that's where we did our 2019 wrap up. What went well, what lessons did we learn? Right. Carry forward. And then we planned out, you know, we had bristleboard calendars all over the walls and that's where we did our 2020 planning and reflecting. Um, and we're going to do that quarterly now where you know we just both found so much value in being somewhere different and really yeah. focused and we weren't distracted by all the other things of the business uh, and really working on on the business and setting ourselves up for success so I think um, you know and then me doing my share in terms of mindset you know as our team leader as the CEO, my my team they're it's the work I'm doing is so reflective on, on how I'm showing up and how they're showing up. So, right. you know, a big piece.
0: Yeah, I think I struggle with that too. Like just in, in um, not in my business coaching because I don't have a team per se yet for that side of the business. But at Outdoor Kids OT, when you have employees, I think there's this fine line between being a good leader and wanting to like be their friend. You know what I mean? Like you have to, you have to almost say, "I'm, I'm not their friend." Like, like because which is hard because some of these people are my friends. Like they came into the practice because they were like, "Would you hire people?" Because I want to do this too. And I was like, "Well, I guess I'll grow it." You know, like this was like four or five years ago, and I think um, four years ago. But I think that this year in particular, I've really struggled because I want to keep them really happy. But I've had to make CEO type decisions, you know, where, where I have to say no to things, or I have to put a, put a line in the sand and say, actually, no, we're not going to do that. Or no, I'm sorry, that's not possible. While still being respectful and being a good leader. And it's really hard. And I've, I've pleasing, it's a tough one. (laughs) What'd you say? The people pleasing. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, I, my heart has been broken a little bit, honestly. Like, I, I feel like I've kind of, um, I've tried to be a really good leader and bend over backwards to make them really happy. But then I feel like it's, um, it's, it it comes back to haunt me when I have to say no, when they ask for more, you know, or whatever, not necessarily pay, but just situations that have come up or whatever. So it's interesting. It's, I, I like how you have, um, mentioned several times in this episode, like as the business owner, as the leader, as the CEO. And I think we need to think that way. If we are growing businesses where we're managing a team, we really need to invest in ourselves and think about our own leadership skills. And again, mindset work. It's, I need to do it. Everybody needs to do it. It's an ongoing process throughout our whole lives, I think. Yeah, but- I agree. Um, okay. So we're, we're coming up on the end here and I have like a few more questions. I want to, I want to have you talk just for a minute about, um, uh, minimalism. Like you mentioned it a little yeah. bit at the beginning of the, yeah. of the interview. And I loved when also on the form that I send to podcast guests, it says location of your business. And I love that you wrote location independent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in Canada my location is independent. <laughs> I, I loved it.
1: I was working at a California today or this week, this week, totally.
0: goodness, in October for a bit. Um, yeah, it's awesome. So, so like, how do you think when you think about minimalism as a business owner, um, how do you think people overcomplicate business ownership? Like what, what tips do you have for staying minimalist?
1: Um, So often when we're first getting started, we feel we need to do all the things and be in all the places. So lesson number one. (laughs) We do not need to do all the things. We need to do one or two things really well. We do not need to be in all the places. It is impossible. You do not need to be on Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest and Twitter and then wonder why you're not generating revenue because all your time is spent on those. Um, So choose one or two and get really good at them. I do system audits quite frequently for therapists where I have a template. I take them through what systems are you using and why, what are the features, what are the benefits. And often just through that systems audit, I can save them some money. Cause so it's like, mm-hmm. do you realize you have three different systems that are essentially doing the same thing for your business? Right. And we can't, you know, if we look at decision fatigue and, you know, managing all the parts, the less we have to manage the better. So getting really clear on what systems you're using And are you ready for them? You know, I'm a big fan of investing in something to grow into, but sometimes, you know, if it's two years away, you don't need it right now. So really ask, is this going to benefit me in the next three to six months? Um, Clutter, you know, clutter digitally. So how do you manage your email? Email is meant to be a productivity tool. I have a really healthy relationship with my email right now, and mm-hmm. it's in part from that business advisor that I'd worked with for so long, um, but it's meant as a productivity tool. It's not meant as a junk drawer, and right. same thing with Google Drive. So creating some level of organization for your virtual office, for, but then we have to look at our physical location and clutter you know, looking at, do you, do you need it? So even when I was running my brick and mortar, really trying to accumulate equipment that could be considered, you know, we can use it in different ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think recognizing if you have a lot of stuff around you, um, it is, it takes energy to manage. It takes energy to So I apply that to, you know, paperwork. Um, Do we need it in paper format? Can we have an electronic version? Where is that stored? We put a lot of time every season. So every, we have four seasons. So every season I do a purge. Do I love it? Do I use it consistently? And I do that Mm -hmm. for my home as well as my business. Um, So we live in a small home we're tiny, tiny home dwellers. And the day we move into a bigger home, because it it is going to happen eventually, um, (laughs) it's going to be a shock because we don't have a lot of stuff, Hmm. but it means I'm mobile. It means, you know, I, for me being transient is actually really, it's, it's an, you know, it's one of my core values, one of my personal values. And it's really important to me. Um, And that's okay. It's not for everyone. And that's all right. But for me, having less stuff means I have more time to to do. It means I have more time to live my life. And I'm not spending as much time. The other piece, let's be honest, is I have ADD. And how that presents itself is I have spent hours of my life walking around my house, looking for my keys and my bank card. Hours. Right. <laughs> and right. guess what? If I, like, if I don't have a lot of stuff, it's easier for me to find things. So my productivity levels have soared as I've implemented different ways to manage my ADD. Because ADD as an entrepreneur is also a superpower.
0: It is. And,
1: yeah. But we need to find ways to manage it. And Systems, one of the ways, yeah. Yeah. And one of the ways is, is for me to embrace minimalism and have less stuff. It also means that my overhead, you know, uh, what I am able to do, it doesn't cost me a lot of money. You know, even my vacations, um, Mm -hmm. my my wardrobe, like I don't have, I used to have a lot of shoes. I don't have a lot of shoes. I prefer to go barefoot, like little things that make a difference. And while you think, well, how's that related to business? Well, I work from home. If I have less stuff around me to distract me, it actually makes a world of difference in my business.
0: Yeah. We, you said you live in a tiny house. Like what's what's square footage for you of a tiny house?
1: 800 square feet.
0: 800 square feet with three people?
1: With three people, one bathroom. Okay.
0: Yep. Yeah. So we live in 1100 square feet with five people. So I should say I live in a tiny house too. I always say our house is small, but when I think of tiny house, I think of like the house on wheels that is 100 square feet. But, you know, if you do like 200 square feet per person, that's about what we have. <laughs> So, and we have one bathroom. People said to us when we, when we were looking at houses, they're like, you're going to buy a house with one bathroom and three kids. And I was like, do you know how much a two bedroom house costs in Berkeley, California? Like, nope, we're not buying a two bedroom house. But I I joke that it will be the perfect size once the children are, or maybe two of the children are out of the house, but it does keep you minimal. I mean, that's the thing I try to appreciate about it. I try to appreciate that the space that we have requires that we think carefully about anything we bring home to put in our space. My house is very cluttered because I have a husband who has ADD and likes clutter. (laughs) I'm like, Melissa, can you talk to my husband about minimalism, please? (laughs) But um, he's getting better over time. But Definitely, it's a struggle because I joke like no one in my house but me really cares about the clutter, like and I, I own it that it's my thing that it bothers me, so I should take responsibility and yeah. and do something about it. so i I try to not put it on other people that it's their problem. so um but it's it is there's something i I don't remember ever remember who said it Cre- create constraints create creativity or something like that. like constraints are the reason that we become creative. And I feel that way with a small space and with business in general, to bring it back to business. I mean, it really, when we have constraints, when there's things that are, appear to be obstacles, it's actually an opportunity for us to be creative about how we use our space, our time, our energy, how we structure our businesses, all of that. So. um, Okay. So let's wrap up with our last few questions. So we kind of talked about a big failure when you talked about the two hour long PowerPoint that you did, but is there anything else you'd want to share about your biggest failure you've experienced in your business and how can other people avoid the same mistake you made?
1: So it's interesting because what would be perceived as a, as a failure for Melissa, 2015, 2016, you know, for me to have thrown out $2,000 on a contract, you know, I loved your podcast episode on websites. I also did mm-hmm. that I had a beautiful website, beautiful website functionality. Nah, but it yeah. Was, it was pretty. Um, <laughs> it was like a hike. Uh, you know, I always joke. It was like a, a high heel pair of shoes in my closet that I would never wear, never use, right. but so pretty. Right. Um, so I have made a lot of mistakes and you know, across the board, like I I could go into um, accepting a grant, uh, which I thought was a really great idea at the time, but had not the best boundaries. And it was very confusing as to who was doing what the grant was in my name, but I had someone from our community helping uh, my website, um, different consulting contracts I've taken on um, hiring people where it wasn't the right fit. Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, the list could go on and on what would I say is my biggest? Well, it's hard for me to say that now because who I am now is very different than who I was in 2015, uh, 2013, 2000, you know, even last year, like right. I, you know, it's, it's so different. So, and making mistakes, you know, I don't, I don't want to tell people to avoid what I did because the person I am today is because I went through those mistakes. Those were the lessons I had to learn, and there were some Absolutely. hard lessons. But I can celebrate who I am today because I made it through. I, I, you know, and I, I've always had to do things the hard way. You know, my mother from the get-go, that was the kind of person I was. <laughs> you no. Know, you tell me to do it this way, but I think that way is right. I'm
0: going to try this instead. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, a true entrepreneur you are. <laughs>
1: yeah, so, you know, I would say don't worry about avoiding too many of the same mistakes because it's almost like a rite of passage and you're going to learn trust in the universe that yeah. you're going to make mistakes, you know, how many... It can be a goal. I'm going to commit to making 20 mistakes this year. I love it, really yeah. big ones because that means you're trying things out mm-hmm. and you're, you know, yeah. We we just have to we have to learn and getting things to just good enough and then putting it out for feedback. And so many of us it's like, oh, but it's not an A plus worthy paper yet. I can't let someone right. edit it. It's like, let it go. Just put right. it
0: there, there. And, and be open to that feedback, really be open to the feedback because there's going to be positive feedback and there's also going to be things that will really help you yeah. make it even better. Right. And that's the only way you're going to know that is by putting it out there. I, I love your answer. I, I think I'm going to change that last question to something like, what's the biggest failure you've experienced and what did you learn or something? Because really that's growth mindset, right? Like it's not about avoiding no. mistakes. It's about embracing the the potential in mistakes to really teach you something.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I love it. Yeah. And okay. So, oh, go ahead. What were you well, going to say okay.
1: Yeah, just to throw in something quickly in there, because this is an analogy I use for therapists a lot, because they're like, I've learned the concepts, why is online so hard? Why can't I figure this out? And because so often we're we're smart, we got into OT school. Uh, and understanding that I can, you know, let's use swimming. Um, I can give you a guidebook. I can give you books, I can give you presentations, I can test you on your knowledge, I can test you on the concepts, you can probably then disseminate that into a 10-page report, but if I threw you in the water, can you swim? Yeah. And we can learn, and so often as OTs, that's what we're used to, is learning concepts, learning information and disseminating it into our lives and doing it well. And in entrepreneurship, you have to let go of that—that that therapist had. And in an entrepreneurship, you have to just do it and learn as you go, because all the concepts, the the background information, the knowledge, you you have to now execute and implement, and that's where the learning happens. And that's what a lot of therapists are shying away from. Whereas I'm the one, you know, the coach, the ones I coach, often I'm giving. Yes kicks in the butt it's like come on jump over the ledge do it (laughs) yeah
0: yeah put it out there yeah
1: I'll I'll be there to catch you when you fall but let's just get you to the ledge and jump over and start actually you know executing and taking action and then the lessons will come.
0: Yes. And that's not even that's their experience to have. You know, as the coach it's it's our job to kind of get them there to making those leaps but it's their experience that they have to learn from.
1: Yeah you can't and and as someone like I love to save people. Oh it's like, oh, I want to prevent you from going through the pain I mm-hmm. went through, but as a coach, that's not, you know, I can make a bit of a soft landing, and I can be there to to talk you through it after, but I can't take away that experience for you. Um, I would be doing a disservice to you and to me.
0: Right, and it's the same way for our clients. Actually, when we're practicing OT, we we need to be able to let them have those experiences too, and not not feel like. Um, that's on us as an OT if they make choices or things that, that um, it's their experience to have. So it's kind of true in in all aspects of life. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay.
0: What's going awesome right now in your business?
1: Uh, What's going awesome. I love what I do. Um, And I have the best clients. Uh, So the clients that I've attracted, the caliber of OTs, Mm -hmm. the work that they're doing, um, I truly believe in their vision. I believe in what they're doing and they motivate me to show up and be a better person.
0: Mm.
1: You know, like I, the amount of learning that I'm doing, the amount of um, like the coaching that I'm doing in terms of me showing up with my coaches, um, because there are multiple coaches in my coaching program that I've signed up for. and it's scary. It's hard work, but I do it. You know, I lean into that discomfort because of the, the OTs that I am so blessed to be working with and they make me want to show up and do, do better, be better, um, do more. And it's awesome. Um, So yeah, that would be what's going really well is we are, um, we just love who we're working with and we love the work we're doing and to see the ripple effect Yeah, Yeah, that's been really awesome to see the programs, um, to see the content, to see the services that are coming out from the OTs in our community. Uh, It's, it's just really, really inspiring. And it's why I, you know, get up in the morning with, with, I can start work at 530 in the morning and it's, it's okay. I'm so motivated to show up and do Um, yeah, so that's definitely what's going really well. And then the other piece is really feeling strong and confident in, you know, the, the law of Dharma in, in doing what it is I'm feeling called Mm. to do and how I'm showing up. Um, so it has meant, again, You know, carving out time to be CEO, carving out time to be planning, carving out time for solitude. um, That's a big one for me. I used to feel guilty about that, whereas now it's considered, you know, it's it's imperative for my business to function is I need to have quiet time uh, where, you know, I go for daily hikes with my dog. And I um, and that's a priority, I think, in university, any time in the past when I would get stressed, uh, self-care would be one of the first things to drop for me. Whereas now I can't afford to let self-care drop because, you know, it's like, I, I go back to rugby and, and the, you know, the, I didn't play very long cause I hate hurting people, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, you know, the, the, I was a prop and like, how much of my role is in holding space for therapists going through really intense transitions in their lives, Right, therapists who uh, just managing the overwhelm because life happens. Even when we're growing a business, life still happens. You know, yeah. parents, um, relationships fall apart. We have health emergencies. We We move physical locations and we still need to keep our head above water. So yeah, really prioritizing my, my, my own work. Um, and so much of that has come from the therapist that I've, that I've been so blessed and gifted with, you know, attracting into our, yeah. Society.
0: Yeah. So what I hear you saying is know, know who your ideal client is to work with, because that's really going to fuel your of- passion.
1: Gets so clear on who it is you yeah. want to attract. Um, I cannot tell you how many visualizations I have done, how many worksheets, how many exercises, writing out who's my ideal client, what's important to them, how, how are they showing up, how do I want to attract them into my life, and then creating an offer that you love. You know? So it's, it's this beautiful combination of having an offer we truly believe in that mm-hmm. we love and getting really clear on who it is we want to attract. And being okay with telling people if it's not the right fit. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, I don't have to work with everybody and I shouldn't work with everybody. That's, that's
0: not. I I think that actually makes it more attractive to the right people. Whenever I see this is not for you, if blah, 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 I like look at that almost more than I look at, this is for you if, you know, because it, it helps draw that line in the sand that we talked about where it's, it's, it's really clear then who it's for and who it's not for, and if it's really going to be helpful to you. And it it also communicates that the the offer on, on hand was thoughtfully crafted by the business owner because they know who they're serving, right? So, okay. I want you to share a uh, final question. I want you to share what you have going on right now. What do you have on offer in Melissa LePoint Consulting yeah. and um, tell people where they can get information sure. about all of your services and also where they can connect with you yeah. online.
1: Well, 2020, we're keeping it simple. We are doing less with more. Uh, so we have two primary offers in 2020. And so we have a group coaching program. Um, where we work with a small group of therapists, and we have coaching calls, we have what's called hot seat calls, where I do go one on one with somebody within the within the space of the group, so everyone's learning um, q and a sessions, so we really try to try to support the therapist that way and then we have our membership community, so our membership community is the w h o t society, and it's really. You know my my big, hairy, audacious goal is to help a thousand therapists this year to generate some form of revenue outside of their traditional clinical work, whether it's five hundred dollars a month. Um, I do have another goal where I want to bring ten therapists this year across the six figure mark. Uh, so that's, you know, yes, getting more into my one-on-one. So I do work with six therapists at a time, one-on-one. So I have my group coaching and then I have six therapists that I do more intensive work one-on-one with mm-hmm. where they are in the group, but I also do a coaching call and a strategy call each month. And then they have unlimited access to me through Voxer and email. Um, so that's my coaching. And then with the WHOT society, uh, so we're going all in on that this year, um, meaning Before it was like an offer, but we were still dancing around with what it might look like. Hmm. Uh, But with the WHOT Society, there
0: are... Hold on. Tell people WHOT, Women's Health and OT, right? Uh,
1: Well, so it started off that way, but it's not... um, There are so many of us that are learning in terms of the mind-body connection, in terms of integrated Hmm. health, in terms of women's health personally, as well as professionally. And we are motivated to do things a little bit differently. Like, oh... You know, I know this info or I'm learning so much. Um, How does this play out? And for some of us, it may be working in women's health, but for some of us, it's not. You know, it's like, oh, this is applying to the work I'm doing in rehab. This is applying to my pediatric practice. So where we're going with the WHOT society is really looking to attract OTs who are craving more adventure, who Mm -hmm. are really looking to reignite their passion for OT. I'm seeing so many OTs being quite disenchanted with the healthcare system, um, doing things differently. And the OTs we're attracting are really craving more autonomy and more flexibility. Like they're recognizing that um, Monday to Friday, nine to five is not necessarily fulfilling and how exhausted they are trying to you know household responsibilities parental duties trying to have a life trying to be balanced Uh, but the reality is we need money to to live and yeah you know there are other ways uh whether you want to just dip your toes into it um or whether you want to go all in but one of the biggest pieces that we're trying to layer into the whot society so we have master classes and workshops and you know looking at coaching, coaching is a, is a really big one. So I'm working with a lot of OTs who want to be offering coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, but really looking at the cycles, you know, how we can bring in more of the 90 day cycles into our lives. Mm -hmm. And that for me was missing a lot in my Monday to Friday, nine to five. Um, I live in Canada where we have really obvious seasons and as a woman, uh, you know there are different cycles, and not yeah. even as a woman as as a human being. We have the lunar cycle. We have there are so many pieces yeah. to it, and and how we can you know in terms of our health and well being really layer in more of the the cyclical nature and acknowledging that it matters. And again, for some of us, it may be I want to create an online course on the side on the weekends in addition mm-hmm. to my my. my Clinical work, okay, that's great. Or, you know, run a blog or a podcast, or there's no right or wrong. There's no, um, yeah, but just making it a little bit easier. So that's what we're doing mm-hmm. through the WHOT Society. Uh, definitely there's women's health, but whether you're integrating that personally or professionally, um, you, you do not have to be practicing in women's health. We attract a lot of people who are practicing in women's health, but uh, right. It's really looking at doing things a little bit differently and having fun. That's the biggest one for 2020 that we're going for is how we can bring some adventure and some fun uh, into our lives. And um, yeah, so those are our two main offers. Um, we're keeping it really simple. So where people can find me, Melissa, um, we do have, I have a free Facebook groups, uh of I will be very honest. I have a love-hate relationship with Facebook and I carve out a lot of time. So my Facebook group goes quiet and then I jump back in and I'm not going to apologize for it. It Yeah, I'm kind of the same. Yeah. You know, and it works for me. And if you want a Facebook group that's super engaged, um, maybe
0: there's lots out there. <laughs> so. I love, I love your Facebook group. I think you're just in there. And I mean, being the same type of person who's kind of in and out of Facebook. I like to out, go out. deep.
1: Yeah. I'd rather yeah. come in for half an hour and really, um, do a deeper dive. And then I, and then I disappear for a bit and mm-hmm. it, it is what it is. Um, so I do have, really,
0: can I just give a plug right there? Because I feel like that, um, it is exactly what you said you, when you come on and go deep there are so many free resources there if you are listening to this podcast and you're interested in ot what's it called ot uh, the
1: virtual therapist ot's and o- online revenue streams
0: yes the virtual therapist ot's and online revenue streams so look that up on facebook and it is it is definitely a facebook group where you will get a lot of free content from melissa and it It's just, I, I just love that. I love the space. And I feel like you've delivered so much good free content there that um, is just worth a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but it's free. Yeah. <laughs> You'll see what a good coach she is and how much good information you share.
1: Yeah. And then we have, um, so depending on when people are listening to this podcast. So I do have a, a masterclass training coming up on January 19th. And that is... Um, our five-part framework to choosing your six-figure success path. So we go through coaching, consulting, community, course content, and clinical. Uh, So that's our masterclass training that we're rolling out. Uh, And then planning your breakthrough year is a workshop that I had done in December. So for anyone listening, if you have not yet planned your year, um, please take the time, go through my workshop. It will give you some things to focus on. Uh it's still available. So planning your breakthrough year is a free workshop that I offered uh in the middle of December. And I've been getting some great feedback on that. And,
0: cool. Uh, yeah. I think that's important. This is the first year that I did that with a friend who owns a business on the East Coast. And we took a morning and did like C- we called it CEO Strategic Planning Day or something. And we had four hours that we had both blocked off and then we checked in kind of, you know, we we set an intention for what we were going to do for the 45 minutes, and then we check in forty five minutes to an hour later and then do the same thing and it I, I definitely feel like it helped me to look at the whole year and and be able to say no to things really because I could see how full and and committed I already was to the projects that I have planned and also it's exciting you you see what you have planned out in front of you for the year and if it doesn't make you excited then you know where to make changes you know and and it also helps you know okay I I have enough things that I'm doing and I don't need to say yes to more necessarily yeah. at least with my life <laughs> that's what I learned when I did it but it was super helpful and it's the first year I did it and I think um awesome. the fact that you're offering that as a free resource for people is just huge mm-hmm. for them to go through that process no matter where you're at in your business ownership I think it's important yeah. so all right I think that's it uh-huh. we did good we only went 7 minutes over and we covered every topic, at least a little bit. So although each one could be a full 90 minute episode (laughs) on its own, but I am just so, so thankful to you for coming on so much wisdom you shared and I love your work and thank you for being here.
1: You are very welcome. This was a pleasure.
0: Thanks, Melissa. Okay. We'll talk to you soon, Laura. Bye. Oh my goodness. I am sure that all of you feel just as excited about business as I do right now after that conversation with Melissa. So if you haven't listened in before to Mind Your OT Business, at the end of every episode, I encourage all of you to take action. So something that you heard in this episode, a small step forward that will move you in the right direction based on something you learned in this episode, After this episode, I took a large step instead of a small step and decided to hire Melissa to help me with the rollout of my online course and some of the group coaching that I hope to launch this year in my own business. So I share this with you guys because I often say on the podcast that you should invest in business coaching, and I'm just being transparent and telling you I am investing in business coaching for myself, even though I am a business coach and I do help people set up their practices and run their practices well or their businesses. And so it's really important that as an entrepreneur, you are learning and growing and that you're willing to reach out for help when you need it from people that have been there and done that. I was talking with a friend yesterday about business and and actually she's in a very high powered corporate position here in California. And she was saying how she just has so little time. She's like, it's time. My kids are young and I can't get any of this time back. I have to work 60 hours a week. And it reminded me of that saying we always hear that like time is our most precious commodity. And I share this because what happened in my mind as I was talking through after the podcast with Melissa, how to how to structure things and and whether or not, we would be a good fit to work together. What happened in my mind was that I realized that I am very busy this upcoming semester with school and work. And I was hesitant to invest in business coaching because I was busy. And as Melissa and I talked through some things, I realized that time is my most precious commodity. And if the money that I invest in business coaching in this case with Melissa, I have been coached by other um, coaches as well in the past. If the money that I invest in business coaching is going to save me time as I roll out new services or change things in my business, it is worth the money. So investing in business coaching can seem like it is something, and we touched on this a bit in the episode, it can seem like it's something that's so expensive, right? Or a cost that isn't mandatory or necessary in our business but I would argue that you really with good coaching you really gain more than you're losing quote-unquote financially than you're paying out financially because it's all about your time it's managing your time well and coaching can help you do that because you have an accountability structure in place someone who has been there and done that who can help you efficiently run your business and effectively as well So along those lines, I've been thinking for a while about offering a free on-air coaching call to any business owner or potential business owner who might be interested in such a thing. And it basically would mean that you would come on the podcast as a guest and we would do an on-air coaching call where I would be working with you as a coach to help you think through issues that you may have or questions that you may have related to starting your business or growing your business. So if that is something that is of interest to you as you are listening to this, here's how you can let me know. First of all, if you are not on the Mind Your OT Business email list, join the email list and let me know in the comment when you join the email list that you are interested in the on-air coaching call and you want these specific questions to be the focus of our conversation and let me know what you need help with there if you are already on the Mind Your OT Business email list, you will know that you are because you should be getting occasional emails from me with some helpful information about running a business. If you do get those emails, you're on the email list. And if so, then just shoot me a message through the website, or you can leave a voice message on the website and let me know that the on-air coaching call is of interest to you and what your questions are. I cannot guarantee if there's a lot of interest that we'll be able to do them for everyone. So your questions are really important, because that will help me decide if I am the right person to help you think through those questions. It's really important when you have a business coach that you hire the person who can help you with the things that you need help with. So I want to be able to help people so I wouldn't bring someone on that I didn't feel like I had expertise to help. So okay, so it's out there. You guys feel free to let me know if you want to come on for an on-air coaching call, and we'll get it scheduled and hopefully published sometime in the next four to six months, I'm going to say, because I have some guests lined up for the coming months. So take a small step from this episode today, everyone. Remember, small steps make great gains over time. So until next time, mind your OT business.